Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything didn't move. I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another day, and we have got another training camp practice to break down as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 198. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Chris McPherson and Ben Fennel. We're breaking down Sunday's practice, the 13th practice, I believe, guys, uh, of training camp for the Eagles here at the Novacare Complex. Let's get to it now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. So do I have that right, C-Mac? Is it the, the 13th Oh, you practice? put me on the spot there. I, I don't know if it's exactly the 13th. I think I saw somebody, I think I saw one of the, the reporters tweet the 13th practice. Inside Training Camp was episode, yes, because Inside Training Camp tonight with Maya Sullivan will be the 12th episode, but they didn't do one for the practice, Open at, practice. at Lincoln Financial yes, Field. Right, yep, so. correct. I don't know if we want to be counting up practices or counting down practices to mm. the season, you know, but either way, I feel like we need a ticker or some sort of tallies some t- on the it's wall. It's perception there, one way or another. The, the one thing about today's practice is probably the last long one. Yeah. For the huh. team, and the biggest thing for me was just how much we saw the first team units out there on the field today, getting extensive reps. Even the reps that you would typically see the second team units getting, the first teamers were still staying out there on the field. So putting in a lot of work between yesterday and today, it's interesting the overall league approach to the preseason because you're seeing more and more articles about how different coaches are approaching the preseason differently. Mm-hmm. Brandon Graham said after practice, they'll probably get some reps either in this game against Jacksonville or the following week against Baltimore, but you're not seeing the extensive workload. It's not like the coaches are saying, we need to get them game reps to get them ready for the season. They're using training camp and saying it's a more controlled environment. They feel like that's the best way to get them ready for September 8th. And that's probably why you're seeing a lot of the ones out there in practice. This is their preparation time, you know. The majority of you know training camp and getting the reps in the acclimation period will be out here on the practice field, not in the preseason game. So it's a bit of a uh, back and forth with making sure the threes and fours are up, yep. you know, ready to play in those games. That it's not a, a complete fire drill or a dumpster fire when they get out there, but still making sure the ones are dominating the reps and you're making sure your starters are ready for the season. You know, it's such a philosophical battle on what to do in the preseason. Yeah, the last couple days, it certainly has been heavy ones and twos in yes. practice. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been a lot of the threes and fours and a lot of scrimmage-like situations. So, you know, they're moving the ball. We used to call it tempo. We used to call it move-the-field MTF drills uh, where – you know, it's basically it's basically a scrimmage situation where you're starting at the at the 30 yard line and you've got uh, a set of downs to, to move the ball. If you don't, then you're punting. Um, you know, and they went first team versus one versus ones, twos versus twos. All right, now we're back to the ones versus ones again. Um, they did that a number of times, both today and yesterday. Uh, Defensive day, it felt like today. Uh, a lot of big plays on defense. I thought the defensive line was very active. We had a couple uh, big plays in the secondary for, in terms of uh, interceptions. So uh, what were some, uh, some before we get into those plays individually, C-Mac, what were some of your big takeaways walking away from the field? 
Big take, I would agree. I thought Carson Wentz looked sharp early. His first throw to Deshaun Jackson. Yep, maybe, I'm on the money. Was beautiful, and I was like, uh-oh, is this going to be one of those days where mm-hmm. you're like, let's get the hype train really rolling for number <laughs> 11. I, I thought he was good, you know, a little up and down throughout the rest of practice afterwards. Um, the one player who I thought was more involved, I'll go offensively today, okay. was number 17, Alshon Jeffrey. Because he'll make his plays, but I felt like he was more of a focal point of the passing game today. It wasn't, you know, obviously with Dallas Goddard, out. I thought Zach Ertz's reps were a little limited, even though he had some nice plays during the course of practice. One he caught right in front of Malcolm Jenkins, much, much to Jenkins' chagrin. Uh, yeah. But still, a number of big pickups for Alshon Jeffrey today. And the one thing that I was thinking about was this has really been the first training camp. This has been the first training camp where he's been healthy. Right. Because you go back to the year he signed in 2017, he suffered the rotator cuff injury early in that training camp and was sidelined and you know, battle through it during the course of the season. Then last year, he didn't participate in training camp because he had the surgery following the Super Bowl win and was, you know, recovering from that. So it's great to see how they've been able to get him to this point where, again, you're preparing for the start of the regular season. That's when you want the players to be available and at their best. And it's great to see Alshon be able to be a full participant through this camp. Yeah, and when you say that he was so uh, heavily focused in today's practice, a uh, couple, three plays popped pop into my head. One, uh, opening period, you mentioned the throw from Carson to Deshaun a few plays later. On the other side of the field, he hit uh, Alshon Jeffrey right along the sideline, toe-touch, uh, toe grab right along the left side, um, which was a really nice catch. Later on, caught one, a diving catch over the middle of the field, which was ironic. It was right after a throw to Nelson Agnes where he had to go to the ground, fell to the ground, the, the pass was incomplete. They went back to Alshon, same area of the field, and he came away with the catch. And then he had another one uh, right in front of Avante Maddox, I believe, uh, on the far side. And there was another one, actually. There was a fourth one uh, right in front of McKinnon. Um, and McKinnon was not happy. It was a uh, tightly contested throw, and McKinnon, you know, right afterwards, grabbed Alshon's towel, threw it to the ground. So Alshon turned around, turned around uh, gave him the business a little bit, and spun the ball in front of him. It was a, a fun little back I love those there. competitive reps, right, though, right, especially yep. when it's a starter against maybe a three or a four corner, that you still care, and you're still competitive. Yep. And when you win that rep, you're still proud of what you did out there. And I like that the corner was feisty and competitive you know, throughout the rep as well. That's what makes the team better in camp, those types of battles. Uh, so one, we'll go to the run game real quick while we're talking about offense. Uh, I would say, you know, look, run game, we've talked about this. The running backs can always be tough to evaluate, right? Because uh, it might like it might look like it was a long run, but, you know, we may have missed, oh, a linebacker actually got two hands on the guy, you know, one yard into the line of scrimmage, or one yard behind the line of scrimmage, and, you know, we don't see that necessarily in the crowd. Um, but today, on the first run, of, I want to say it was the second period, Miles Sanders exploded downhill. It was a quick-hitting run. I couldn't tell exactly what the action was, what was going on in the backfield, so what the scheme was, but exploded and was clear, almost, to me, like looked like he was untouched uh, for what would have been a, a huge game, which, to me, that's that's part Miles, and you see that burst, you see that explosiveness, but you got to give a lot of credit to the offensive line, too, because it was perfectly blocked up, it seemed. He is such a fluid runner. He's very explosive. I mean, I look at both him I look at uh, Darren Sproles, and you mm-hmm. watch Darren Sproles. You know he broke off a big run in practice today as well. And you, someone actually said like Darren Sproles will be seventy years old and still move that fast. <laughs> right, but yeah. get back to to Miles Sanders though. It, it's just the movement that he brings, the juice that he brings to the running back position. One play actually stood out for uh, one rep 
was he was in pass protection against Brandon Graham, and he was giving Graham the business, mm. as you would say, where he came up, gave Graham a nice pop, and then mm. you oh, know went out, okay. went out went out in, into the field. And I'm like, mm. you know, the rookie's not backing down, yep. okay? And you know, Brandon Graham's a bit, you know, there's a nice little size disparity. Yeah, well, no question. You know, but that didn't stop him whatsoever on on that play. You know, I know exactly what that run scheme was. We don't have to talk about the details, but there's only so many runs that you see that instant acceleration from running backs. A lot of the zone schemes, you're kind of reading and looking for different alleys and windows and, you know, outlet lanes. And then the power game, you're waiting for some blocks to formulate in front of you. There's only so many schemes where you're just going right downhill. And for a rookie running back, there's a little bit of a hesitation period to say, to absolutely trust the line, trust the blocks. And when you get that ball, those blocks may not be there yet, but you have to put your foot in the ground and go and you just saw the seize part and the running back just hit it full speed and I think the, the crowd was uh, applauding after they, that one. They liked that yeah. one. And Jordan Howard had a long one a, a few plays later. But outside of those two runs, I thought the defense, that was really where, uh, to me, like the defensive line really showed up. You know, Tim Jernigan, uh, Malik Jackson, Josh Sweat, uh, all three guys I thought were really, really active in those periods. And I'll, I'll go to a little bit later. And Malik Jackson, there was one play, I want to say it was the final period, one of the, the move the field periods, where Malik Jackson, it was a shotgun play. So Wentz is, you know, a few yards into the backfield. He must have beaten, I think it was Isaac at left guard. He must have beat Sam Alice so quickly. It was like he met the ball in the backfield mm-hmm. when Carson got it. I mean, he, he got back there so quickly. Uh, when I look at, the, at Malik Jackson and, and what he can bring to, the, to, the, uh, to this Eagles defense, yeah. it, it, I'm really excited because I've been a big fan of his game for a long time. It's Malik Jackson. It's a motivated Tim Jernigan who wants to prove that he still has that 2017 yep. form in him. You know, he... You know, was traded from Baltimore, signed the contract extension. You know, had the offseason, had the, the injury, the you know the neck injury, so wasn't able to play the start of last season. You know, comes back on a, on a new deal, one year deal. I mean, he's motivated to prove that he can still he can be that complimentary piece along the defensive line. It's nice that you have obviously Malik Jackson to help with Fletcher Cox, but now you put Tim Jernigan back in the mix. And we we've said this before. It's it's going to be harder to find a better one, two, three, you know, defensive tackle rotation in this league. It's like one of my favorite players to watch on film is Jernigan because he does things that you don't necessarily like. You know, they don't go in like a scouting report and stuff like that. He he brings up the level of energy and swagger on that on yes. that def- that whole unit. Mm-hmm. There are just I could think of over the last couple of days where you know the, the offense maybe they have a false start or a delay of game or you know there's a, some kind of bust. He'll be in the backfield giving the the Matumbo finger <laughs> wag, uh, you know, to the rest of the offense, saying like, "All right, move, move it back." <laughs> and you know, he's always chirping with the offense. He's really pretty animated. Out he's there, very yeah. animated, and uh, like even today, uh, there was a play. I want to say it was Miles Sanders, him and Malik Jackson both kind of corralled him really quickly. Sanders is trying to wiggle three and uh, wiggle free and finish the run. And Jernigan just grabs him and just gives him a little pat in the backside on his, on his way out the door. Uh, to me, Jernigan is just one of my one of my more favorite players to watch. It was probably one of his better practice days of yeah. summer so far. I know it's tough to judge these D it linemen is, not yes. going to the ground. It's live, but I just feel like as good as it can get for a non-live to the ground practice, man, Jernigan was disruptive. And I would implore any fans at practice – just watch him for a play, you know. Right. Kind of temper yourself. Don't watch the ball. Don't watch Wentz. Just watch one of those guys in the trenches with one play and just watch them because you really have to watch them that whole play and see if they got through because they're not tackling them to the ground. They have to almost let them go. 
but they're still disrupting. They're still getting into backfields. They're still making plays. We uh, we talked a couple of days ago about the the uh, the mindset of the sport of the Philadelphia sports fan watching the mm. practices and cheering for the offense. We were actually next to a couple of fans that were cheering for the defense uh, throughout the course really? of the first half practice, which was it was refreshing. It was nice. Uh, you Did know, they listen to the podcast. They, they, really? Maybe <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they didn't make it known, but you know when there was an incompletion, they were you know cheering for the the corner and coverage. I, it was it was good to hear. It's interesting that you mentioned Josh Sweat. He was with the first team defense today. A lot today, yes. A lot today. Dark Barnett was rotating in as well, but again, he's still coming back from the shoulder injury. Uh, Vinny Curry not practicing today, so mm -hmm. Josh Sweat getting a lot of those right-end reps today. So there was a, a play, I want to say it was the second or third team period, very first snap. Josh Sweat's out there, beats Jason Peters inside for a sack, Saw inside move. Yes. So I take the next few plays, and I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna, I just want to watch that matchup. Just say, all right, how does JP go against Josh Sweat? How does this fare? Uh, JP pitched a shutout the next four plays. That's <laughs> the thing. If I saw the same play, and if you were to go on Twitter and post that, oh, the, Josh White, yeah, the Josh right, White yeah, hype right. train just goes off the tracks right. at that point. But then you follow that up, like mm -hmm. you said, JP. It's like, all right, he sells down and you know gets back to business right, right after that. That's so. also the nature of offensive line, and we talked about Easily, this down yes. at the offensive line summit down in Dallas with some of our Eagles, Brandon Brooks, Lane Johnson. You have sixty snaps. That one horrible pass set that you get whooped on is the one out of 60 that's around the internet, and suddenly you're a scrub tackle. So you gave up a sack. It's How the battle you? of attrition yeah. out there. It's a full game. There's a lot of snaps. Yeah, typically that defensive end gets the highlight when he gets the sack. There aren't a whole lot of highlights of good pass protection, but it's a long game out there. It's a long practice. you got to watch all the reps. Uh, let's get to the, to the secondary. I mentioned earlier there were a couple interceptions in that final period. Uh, so the, the Final period, basically the way it worked was kind of how we described it earlier. So uh, the offense will go out for a sequence, or the starters will go out for a sequence, so it's ones versus ones on both sides. See who wins the, see who wins the, the sequence of downs. Uh, I want to say the offense went three or four and out. There was a big completion to Nelson Aguilar on a shot play. It was play action. Carson dropped back, hit uh, Nelson in stride along the sideline. Nelson actually was able to make a couple moves, make some people miss. It turned into a nice big play. Um, but then in the next sequence, so uh, the, the twos come out, they finish up. The ones come back. And the defense kind of turned it on from there. I want to. I remember like an Andrew Sandejo uh, pass breakup where he's blitzing off the edge. I believe it was the very next play. Carson dropped back and he tried to thread the needle to to Nelson over the middle. And Malcolm Jenkins stepped in, leapt up, uh, made the interception, and he's returning it back. Jason Kelsey goes over and punches the ball out. All the fans all start laughing. The defense jumps on. And they're trying. To, they're throwing it back and forth, uh, trying to return it. But it was uh, it was a, a fun exchange there. Two days in a row. Yeah. For Jenkins having an interception. That's right. Yeah. So yeah the diving interception yesterday. So he's he's turning up the heat here at this point of uh, training camp. So the twos go back out. You know, and it's a heavy Cody Kessler, obviously working him in if he's going to start the regular season uh, as the number two quarterback. Um, so then you come back out. Carson comes back in. Looked like it. See, it was tough on that on that last interception because it, it was kind of like uh, Perkins was in the area, Arcega Whiteside was in the area. I wrote down both names because I wasn't totally sure. It seemed like it was Perkins though, right? I that thought was, it was to the underneath defender, yeah. and Wentz was a little bit unsure of who he's going with, and I think the ball might have sailed on him. But it's one of those where you have kind of two receivers coming in the same window. It's tough to determine who the intended target was. I, I kind of thought, I was wondering if he like was expecting Perkins to keep going. It was like one of those weird where I, I wasn't sure exactly who, you know, not to pin it on, but like who, who was responsible for it. But either way, the ball gets tipped up straight up into the air. I, it bounced off somebody's hands. That was, that was Arthago Whiteside. Okay. Yeah, him. And, and, then, and then Maddox dives from like eight yards away hmm. uh, and pick, plucks it off the top hmm. of the grass uh, and then he, he brings it back. So 
it was a, a really nice play as well. Important thing with that, and this goes to something that I was talking about with Malcolm Jenkins. We were talking about Trey Sullivan a couple episodes ago, and that it's one thing to be in the right place at the right time, but you got to start making the plays. Mm. Rasul Douglas had a chance for an easy interception in the first team period earlier in the day. The ball was just gift wrapped right to him, just a little overthrow from Carson, and he drops it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Rasul's had a very strong training camp, not to get down, but you know that's a play that you've got to make. If fans along the sidelines were like, "Come on, that's right. that's yeah. you know you got to get that one." You have Ma- uh, Malcolm making his play, but then Avante making the diving interception, not even like a routine one, just to make that play. It, it's something special that Avante's brought to this defense, and you know the Eagles need to generate more turnovers. It's yeah. such a such a huge disparity going from the Super Bowl season, where I don't have the exact number in front of me. Sure. I want to say it was around say, like thirty one that Super Bowl season, and it was like. You know, like like fourteen or fifteen. It was a huge, huge drop off between two thousand seventeen and two thousand eighteen. Now you may have some recession, regression there, I should say, but not not to that extent. There turnover differential is always like one of the mm-hmm. big things that coaches point to as a deciding mm-hmm. factor, not just in an individual game, but also for overall team success. You yeah. know, teams that are you know typically in the top ten of turnover differential. You're, t- you're typically talking mostly playoff teams there. Um, so it definitely goes a long way. You know, just really quickly mentioning some other bodies. You saw Derek Barnett uh, once again active in some team periods. Ronald Darby a little bit more active once yeah. again. A couple other new numbers out there. Number 59, Eli Harold out there yep. at practice for the first mm-hmm. time. Paul Warlow yeah, in there. He got in there a little bit too. Number yes. 52. So there might yeah. be some new names and numbers out there. You're not used to seeing up and down. Just uh, nice to see some more players out there and everybody getting healthy. Uh, I thought that... Um, I was thinking about this early in practice. You know, I was over watching the install period where the the, the defense, the back seven's kind of working through things and different combinations at corner. And I think it's going to be a very fun competition over the next few weeks because uh, at one point, so uh, for most of the team drills, Razul Douglas was the starter at right corner. Uh, Ronald Darby seemed to be working with the ones at left corner with, I believe it was Sidney Jones in the slot. And then you saw other ones where it was Maddox at left corner, Darby at right corner, with Sydney in the slot. We've also seen Sydney at, at left corner, Razul obviously mostly at right corner. With those four guys, not even counting Jalen Mills and his return, yeah. it's going to be a very interesting way. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of work this rotation in the secondary. It's a good problem to have, obviously, five talented guys, four talented guys. Mills doing a little bit of work on the side mm-hmm. at practice today, so he's inching closer as well to getting back on the field. But, you know, it was interesting going back to the assistant coach me availability on Friday. Mm. Uh, Corey Unland was asked, I think it was Zach Berman from The Athletic, asked, you've had three guys who've been pretty much set in their spots doing well. And when I say set in their spots, I should you know, throw out the caveat that, you know, Sidney Jones and Avante Max pretty much have been flipping. Have been swapping. Yeah. They've been swapping, you know, slot in the outside. Rasul has been steady on the outside. It's, you know, talk to Coach Unland, at what point do you say, these guys have been playing well. Why don't we go what we have here? And Coach Unlund's like, it's not time to make that decision yet. Right. We've still yep. got a, you know, a little less than a month before the start of the regular season. It's it's a good problem to have. But uh, when I was talking to Rasul Douglas after yesterday's practice, he said, we brought look at the contract we brought Ronald Darby back on. We didn't bring him back to sit on the bench. So once he's healthy, he figures he's going to find his way onto the field. We're just trying to make it as difficult as we can you know, for the coaches to take us out. That's the one thing that they're trying to do is be competitive and say, you know, love Ronald Darby. It's a familyhood, a brotherhood in that defensive backs room, but 
we all want to be playing. And after the amount of reps that those guys got and the experience they got last year, they have the confidence now that they could play at this level. They're going to try to keep those veterans off the bench. And just bench. like those nickel and dime groups, there's a lot of interchangeable parts. The linebackers had some inter- kind of some yeah. interesting combinations as well. There was an instance it was dime with the starters, and Alex Singleton was the only linebacker out there third, fourth-string linebacker with the ones starting. So it's interesting just to see some different pairings, some different groups, making sure you hear some different voices in the huddle calling the defense. And uh, even in nickel, we saw T.J. Edwards out there with Nate Gary. We saw L.J. Fort with Alex Singleton. Just a lot of different combinations in there. It didn't really seem like there was any, you're the ones, you're the twos, you're the threes. It's always great just to see different bodies working with other players you're maybe not accustomed to working with, just making sure the continuity is right. And when you get thrown in some of these preseason games, you're going to be around some bodies you're maybe not used to. Maybe there was an injury and you have to get thrown into a spot. These days in practice that you remember that continuity, you remember hearing that call from TJ Edwards and just hearing the different voices. I just love the interchangeable bodies on defense. Well, I think too, and that's kind of a, a philosophical thing with coaches, is that uh, you know there will be times, especially on defense, where it's kind of you know it's clear, it's kind of clear cut. But you see this on offense too, where it'll be the ones across the board. Hey, let's put the second team defensive line in. Just to see how these guys operate with a bunch of, you know, they're working up against the first team offensive line. They've got those guys behind them. Today, I agree, it seemed like we saw some different rotations with the second team linebackers. All right, they're working with Malcolm Jenkins and with Avante Maddox and, uh, you know, all those guys behind them in the secondary. Let's see how they respond. So, even not just from a communication standpoint, also from like an evaluation standpoint, let's see how those guys look uh, and that's just going to kind of help with the evaluation. Yeah, that's forward. a good point about the evaluation in a vacuum. But I always remember this one instance. It was the Patriots, I want to say about six to eight years ago, one of their preseason games, okay. Brady was out there. Like the third play of the game, Belichick just immediately takes Brady out and puts the backup in. Just to simulate a situation where that may happen in the regular season, right. where Brady went down, his shoe fell off, whatever it was, where you have to, at the drop of a hat, suddenly there's a new leader on the offense, there's a new voice, there's a new person calling the plays in the huddle. Having that continuity and the practice with the continuity is really yeah. what summer training camp preseason is all about and prep, you know, preparing for those situations you may get in the regular season. You hope to not get them, but preparing for them is everything. So before we wrap this up, we've got a, a one more thing we'll hit on. Um, but I want to first give a shout out to those of you that went on uh, and have given us an a given giving us a rating uh, and a con- left a comment on our Apple Podcast page. Got a couple here. Uh, Liberty Parent always up to date with the podcast. Really appreciate uh, the five star rating there, Liberty Parent. And then Conservative Mike said, if you prefer genuine, intelligent insight over the knucklehead callers on Sports Talk Radio, then this is your podcast. So, uh, Mike. Appreciate I didn't know the, uh, where he was going for a second I with but that no, one. There was a, there I mean, was we really have some knucklehead moments, too, here and yes. there. We've so. been known. It's been known to happen every once in a while. So, listen, like I said earlier, and I've said it on, on previous podcasts, the number one way to support the show, and we've gotten a lot of support so far from you guys, just go wherever you listen and continue to leave those ratings, leave those comments. I think we're up over 350 comments on, on that page so far. So, really appreciate the feedback we've, we've gotten from all of you guys. Also, uh, last week on the Journey to the Draft podcast, I want to give a quick uh, bump to that show as well. Uh, Myself and Ben and Tony Pauline, uh, we all talked about the top prospects in the SEC. So in the top conference uh, in college football, you're getting ready for college football starting in a couple weeks. Go give a listen over to the Journey to the Draft podcast. You know we're talking uh, draft 24-7, 365. So, um, so yeah, anything else before we uh, wrap this one up, guys? Uh, it was something that was interesting. I didn't mention this on the podcast yesterday. We talked about it briefly this morning that when I was standing in the end zone watching practice, there was a family, and it was like a father and three daughters, and Zach Ertz is running toward the end zone, and the dad yells, 
there's Julie Ertz's husband. <laughs> it was one of those moments that made me chuckle. It's like kind of like, you know, that's it's amazing when you have a sports power couple like that, sure. especially Julie being on the world stage like she is now. And guess who was at practice today? There you None go. Other than Julie Ertz. So. Becoming a regular around here. Yeah, certainly so. It's supposed to be a practice tomorrow as well, but uh, here to support Zach. I mean, look, they don't get a ton of time together, but remember the women's national team will be at Lincoln Financial Field. The tickets are going like really, I think it sold like really, yeah. really well. It's something over 40,000. Yeah. It's uh, the 29th, Thursday the 29th. Right. The Eagles have the preseason game at the Jets that day, but the women's team will have a friendly against Portugal, and it's on the verge of being the uh, most most tickets sold for a standalone friendly in Whoa. women's national team history. Mm-hmm. So. I'd say keep uh, keep pumping that up because I mean that's that's an awesome opportunity to go and see the world champs. But it was interesting also because they had a catch after practice and hmm. all the video cameras sure, were there. Yeah, of course. And, you know, and Julie's Joy, got a bit of a gun. That's yeah. what uh, Tim McManus uh, tweeted. Says she can sling it a little bit. She, she was spinning it. Yeah. She, she have a leg? Can she drop one? Well, for I'm 50? sure. I, I would think so. <laughs> I like yeah. to see her and Jake have a little competition <laughs> there. <laughs> Get a little nervous there. That would so. be a, a social video for sure. That be a little more entertaining than uh, Carly Lloyd showing up to a Texans practice a couple years ago and having the oh. competition with Vince Wolfork on Hard Knocks, if you remember. No, I don't remember. Yeah. I think I remember that. Yep. Uh, I think it was about three or four years ago. She one. showed up, but it was Vince for some reason, the one <laughs> I mean, doing the competition. It was just as entertaining. Yeah, sure. I would kind of like to see Jake Elliott, you know, go up against Julie, but uh, if Fletcher Cox wants to kick a couple too, he can. Remember Fletcher Cox returning the, they did like the punt returns last year, yeah. the big guy. Yep. That, uh, yes. We haven't had that yet this year. I, I hope to. That's always a, a, a light moment in camp. Let's go on. Uh, all right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up. A little bit of a shorter episode this week, but it's a, it's a Sunday. So uh, we will be back tomorrow. We've got two more episodes this week before the preseason game. So we've got one Monday, one Tuesday. Then I'm going to be chatting with somebody to break down the New York Giants. Stay tuned for that guest. Uh, that'll be on Wednesday's edition of the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. Until then, until next time, we'll see you guys tomorrow.